This is our third session on 1 Thessalonians 3, 1-5. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be shaken by these afflictions. These afflictions. What afflictions? The afflictions from chapter 1. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. You received the word in much affliction. When the gospel came, there, there was affliction that rose up as they rejoiced in the Holy Spirit, and that joy was not daunted by this affliction or the affliction here of chapter 2, verse 14. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews. So when it says these afflictions, it's referring back to those sufferings and afflictions in chapters 1 and 2. And then comes this ground that is intended to help you, this basis, this argument that's intended to help them not be shaken, that no one be shaken, that your faith not become wobbly and uncertain and destroyed, lest everything be done in vain. No, I don't want that to happen. And so I'm going to help you with this, this argument not to be shaken. What's the argument? For you yourselves know that we are destined for these afflictions. Father, I pray that as we try to understand what does that refer to? Who destined them, destined them for this? Why, why are they destined for this? That we would understand our own afflictions in the light of this destiny as well. Teach us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, who destined them for these afflictions? And the answer is, well, let me show you in Second Thessalonians chapter 1 how, how Paul says it. We ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions, afflictions, sufferings, and in the afflictions that you are enduring. This is evidence. These afflictions are evidence of the righteous judgment of God. Why? That you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also are suffering. In other words, this judgment is not a condemnation. It's a transformation so that they are fit for the kingdom. So the afflictions are evidence of God's decision to make them worthy of the kingdom of God for which they are suffering. That's the way it works. And therefore, the destiny here is from 
God. They are appointed by God for these afflictions. And let me linger over that for a minute, lest you think this is an isolated situation at Thessalonica. Here's Paul speaking to all the churches as he passes through and disciples them for strength. Acts 14, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, he returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. There's no other way in. We must pass through these things. That was Discipleship 101 in Lystra, Iconium, Antioch. This was what he taught, and he taught it because Jesus said this, if they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, this Jesus, how much more will they malign those of his household? If Christ was persecuted, how much more the church? Or John 15, 20, Jesus said, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, Jesus, they will persecute you. Who do we think we are to think that Christians following in the path of the master who was persecuted, though he was perfect in his gospel life and presentation, was persecuted? Why should we escape? We shouldn't. When Jesus calls a man, he bids him come and die, Bonhoeffer said, and that dying means taking whatever it costs to be a Christian. Therefore, the destiny here, for you yourselves know that we are destined, the we here is every Christian is destined for suffering. It's part of what we are to walk through on our way to heaven. And he said this over and over, for when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. In other words, it's not exceptional. It's normal. We warned you. We told you ahead of time, this is the way your life is going to be. When you embrace the good news of the gospel, you embrace suffering for Christ. So don't be shaken. Think about this argument. That no one be shaken in your faith by these afflictions because you yourselves know that we are destined for this. So he assumes that they would be made stronger and more stable and less vulnerable to shipwreck of their faith if they know God has appointed them for suffering. Now, does it work? Is that the way it works for you? To know that God has appointed your afflictions makes you stronger in your afflictions. There's a lot of people that just quit. They just throw it back in God's face and say, if that's the way you treat your children, I'm out of here. So how, how does Paul expect this to work? Because it does work. It worked for them. They were full of joy in their affliction. How does that work? Well, it doesn't work if you believe that these afflictions are evidence of God's wrath, anger. And so you must be persuaded of the gospel. 
So when Timothy was sent to establish them and exhort them, this is what he said. He said, these afflictions are not condemnation. In other words, right at the heart of the gospel is no condemnation, right? So over in chapter 5, he says, Paul says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we wake or sleep, we will live with him, even if they kill you. Whether you're awake, living, or sleep, dead, you're going to live with Jesus. That's where their joy came from. It wasn't by escaping persecution. The joy was, even if they kill us, we live forever in the joyful presence of the Messiah and the King of Kings. That's where the joy came from. The gospel was, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. This affliction is not God's wrath and anger against us, or chapter 8, verse 1 of Romans, there is therefore now no condemnation. So when Jesus said, John 5, 24, he meant the same glorious truth. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment. These are not judgments of condemnation coming upon you when you experience so much suffering. You have passed from death to life. This was their joy in the midst of affliction. And so the argument works. It works if you believe that these afflictions are not God's wrath, but they are good for you. They are designed just like it says in 2 Thessalonians, the afflictions that you are enduring, this is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy. They are working good for you. Let's end with with Hebrews. Are they working good? Is that what their design is, these afflictions? Hebrews 12, the Lord disciplines the one whom he loves and chastises Every son whom he receives, it is for discipline that you have to endure these afflictions. God is treating you as sons. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So, the way this argument works. Don't be shaken by the afflictions because God has destined you for this. The way that works is God is not angry. He's not wrathful. None of this is coming from a heart that's against you. God is for us. That's what the gospel is. And therefore, these are not against you. These are for you and for your good. Therefore, you will not be shaken.